Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDK. Hey, they're back together again on the same stage. It is Robin Hood and his maid Mary. And ladies and gentlemen, as they continue to see what's in the Sherwood Forest that's organic. So the Organic Gardeners on the air. You can phone in right now with a question at 866-391-1020 or dollar bank instant access at kdk.com. Let's begin the festivities by giving away a $25 gift certificate. If you're the 10th caller, 412-922-1020. From the good folks at Sorbo. So, both from the Tribune Review, that great skate newspaper, here they are. You can find out more at triplive.com. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser. Good morning, you two. Good morning. I am Doug Oster from the Tribune Review and everybodygardens.com. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. I want to know who's Robin Hood and who's Maid Marian. Can I, can I be Robin I'll Hood? I'll be Maid Marian. you Maid Marian? I like what she's wearing. <laughs> we'll get you a nice long long red curly yeah. wig. Yeah. Yeah. And we call we can call Rob Little John. Wasn't that the other guy's name in Robin Hood? Uh, yeah. And uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham's right next to me trying to get my headphones that, working. That, that would be the, the Bambino is now the Sheriff of Nottingham. Let's not give Who's him the badge. Who's a bad badge. guy. Let's not give him the badge because we know where that's going to go. We but, know we're all safe because none of us are rich. So Ain't that the truth, right? Uh, Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us for for the program, Doug. Welcome back. You were gone a long time, but I understand you had a great time with your son and fishing. Fun and fortieth high school reunion was great. Reunited with a a guy that was an exchange student from South Africa. Hadn't seen him in forty years, so that was a lot of fun. That is awesome. And, of course, I'm sure you came home to a, a lot of uh, things that needed to be done in the garden. Number one is it's either a rabbit or a groundhog, and I can't ID it. You know, I've done – I did a video about it where I put the flower down. Yeah. And, uh, but first I sprayed everything. I, I like that hot pepper wax. Uh-huh. And I sprayed that on there just so they wouldn't eat any – it wouldn't eat any more of my beans. And the thing that I'm thinking groundhog is because there's a tomato, but it's on the ground, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't uh, – Stake up my tomatoes this year, <laughs> but it's it's getting nibbled on, yeah. which I'm guessing groundhog. But again, I have not seen the groundhog. I've not seen evidence of the groundhog, huh. uh, so I don't know. You know, and, and that bean damage was at night. So now you know because I did have a rabbit in there. I found where where whatever this is is coming in and out. So I've put you know I've buried some fencing there. Sometimes it's a mystery. Yeah. And it's always a, a giant challenge, no matter what animal it is. And I've got two flats, yeah. two flats of cool weather greens. Yeah, but can't you do them in those the cold frame thing that you have? Like then the, then yeah, the but it's going to be eighty degrees. Yeah, but you open it during the day. I I know, but it's like opening and closing, mm. and uh, again, you know, yeah. the one day you forget. That's you the know. day they and find it. Actually, <laughs> to tell you the truth, it's a little early for me for the cold frame because I usually try and wait until the leaves start to drop. Because right. I don't get enough sun in there, they get leggy, you know. Right, right, right. But that's probably what I'll do, something like that. I, I am going to build a uh, kind of a hoop house using Nikki's idea, where uh-huh. you just you pound in 
Rebar? Yeah, like 18-inch rebar, and then just put some PVC. And it's not PVC. It's something else. It's something that bends better than PVC, but it's like PVC. Uh-huh. And I don't know what it's called. I went to the... I did it for my kid in Virginia, and I went to the box store, because that's the only place we could go out there, and he was like, no, no, you can't use PVC, because I had a short piece of PVC, but it wouldn't bend right. Right, right, it was right. something else. He goes, I don't know what it is, but it's just as cheap as PVC, so... Uh-huh. And I'm going to make so hoop, hoop houses out of that, Yeah, cover it with... Uh, Floating row cover and then eventually plastic. Yeah. So, you know, you have a little fortress. Yeah, it's always, it's always, (laughs) just for those greens. Always something. But, you know, when you do come back, though, I did have, even though that something got to the beans, I had lots of beans, lots of tomatoes, good, uh, lots of hot peppers. Yeah. (laughs) That's super chili that I tell you about. Yes. And I I tell you, it's not even in full, it's not even in full sun. And it's just prostrate on the ground. It's just, it has that many peppers on it. It's just like a a ground cover of hot peppers. Yeah. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, it makes the best crushed red pepper that I've ever had. It is awesome for that. So if you have extra and you're looking for homes, you got homeless peppers, hook me up because I need some more crushed red pepper. That sounds good because I've got more than I could use. We picked uh, in my garden our watermelons. Now, we don't grow watermelons in the actual vegetable garden because there's not enough room. But I, for the first time this year, grew a container variety of watermelon, and it's the only container variety of watermelon that I know of, and it's called Sugar Pot. And we put, I put three plants in a container. The vines, How big is the container? The, the container is, I'd say it's probably about eight gallons, probably holds about eight gallons. And I grew three watermelon plants Jeez. in it. And the watermelon vines, each one only grew to be about maybe 30 inches long. Mm. I tumbled over the side of the pot. And grew a watermelon on the end of the pot, probably about like the size of your head, uh, a decent-sized watermelon on these little sugar pots. If it's the size of my head, it's a decent-sized watermelon. <laughs> okay, maybe the size of my head. Uh, just was... a little one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's packed with brain, though. Uh, and they're not seedless, so they are seeded watermelons, but man, they're good. They're really good, and I was really surprised and happy to see how well they did. And how I, many did you get off the plant? Or three, is it still... one per plant. Wow, one per plant. And I think it would have done better had I done a better job fertilizing the container. But I really only fertilized like once this year. I so. want to mention something I saw of yours. I don't know if it was Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. I can't remember which one of yours it was, but uh, the filing cabinets. Oh yeah, I remember you made them and everything. Yeah, you have. Uh, like flowers in there uh-huh. that look really good. Thanks. It looks really cool. Yeah. And it's a filing cabinet on its side that and was, yeah. painted yep. a really cool color. Yeah, that was Instagram. That was, I have six of them, six filing cabinet planters painted and lined up along the fence. Looks pretty. Hey, congratulations to Claire from Lawrenceville, winner of that gift certificate from Sorgles. We're coming back after sports, and we're going to get right to your phone calls at 866-391-1020. Bank Instant Access at KDKA.com. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, before we get to the phones, where there is some room for you at 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank Instant Access, KDKA.com, News and Notes with Doug Oster. I am taking gardeners to Ireland in June, and I know that's a long time off, but I'm only taking 32 people, and I've already got eight. So if you want to go to Ireland with me, Take a look at it. It's on my Facebook page. Uh, one of the things we're going to see is Powers Court. Uh, National Geographic calls it the third greatest garden in the world, but we're seeing Dublin, Kilkenny, Waterford, uh, Killarney, all over Ireland for 11 days. Uh, it's a great price point, too. 
And I want to talk about a story I've got in uh, uh, at everybodygardens.com about Randy McManus. Back in the day, he, him and his buddy cooked a roast in a composter. So, it was a compost roast. Yes. The, uh, his friend, uh, Ron, who has passed away since, uh, had this passion for gardening, and he was checking the temperature of that compost daily until it was really going. And they were just sitting around thinking, you know, I wonder if... And they said, yeah, I wonder if... And they went out to the store and got a roast and, and wrapped it up in foil, put it in the composter overnight for 24 hours, and he said it was the the... <laughs> most tender meat he'd ever had. <laughs> well, that would be low and slow because the compost is usually like, what, 165 degrees, yeah. somewhere in yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so you, you, know. can see, you can see that story at everybodygardens.com or on my Facebook page. And he told me the story way back in March at the Home and Garden Show, and I just I loved it, and we reconnected and I went out to the house. He still has the same composter, actually. No got a picture with the composter. And a funny, funny story that I got uh, when I went out to see him is that him and his significant other, Judy, when they first started going together, the one thing that they had in common early on was that they both listened to the Organic Gardeners no on Sunday mornings. Kidding. Yeah, and so they're just like, yeah, I'm getting ready to listen to this. You're going to listen to what do you do? So they had that in common. And so that was uh, just really fun, fun to fun story, uh, you know, about composting. That It's part of, uh, you know, that was like the second story of another one about composting mm -hmm. um, at Phipps, actually, at Phipps. 94% of everything that comes out of there that is technically would be waste is not going to the landfill. 80% of it's compost. The rest is recycled. So only 6% of what comes out of FIPS actually goes to the landfill. That's pretty amazing. That is amazing. Would, wouldn't it be nice if everybody could do that in their homes and schools? And I've got a picture uh, of a guy standing on a dumpster filled with plants. I mean, a dumpster of plants that are going to go off to be composted, uh, you know, and, and become... <laughs> Something you can use in your garden yeah. and not go to, to feed land. more plants, right. right? Absolutely. So anyway, all right. Do we have any calls this morning, Rob? <laughs> yes, we do. Awesome. Uh, let's go to Frank. Frank, how are you? Good morning. Welcome to the Organic Gardeners with Doug and Jess. Good morning, everyone. Um, I have a question. It's not a gardening question per se, but it concerns my garden. Um, in the back on my one uh, hillside, I have a lot of ground cover. I'm not exactly sure what the ground cover is. But anyhow, I've seen a lot of what I thought was bees flying around. They, they seem to be really small, and they're just buzzing around, buzzing around, you know, things like that. So I, I was going to spray them, but I said, no, I don't want to kill bees. I'm not, mm -hmm. uh, horn, you know, wasps and stuff, I don't care, but bees I'm not going to kill because, you know, the idea of bees, be, be, uh, you know, it's dying mm -hmm. off and everything. Anyhow, so I called somebody, and I asked, you know, could you come out and look? And I explained to him, and he said, no, what that is, it's yellow jackets. And sure enough, I went out and took a closer look. They do appear to be yellow jackets. And he said that um, what they do, he said, they're looking for like aphids or things like that just to eat. And he says, eventually they'll go away. What my question is, and I, and I know this really isn't a gardening question, but is there anything I can do? I really don't want to spray to kill them, but in fact, he told me you're not really not supposed to. You're not allowed to kill them. I don't know what that's all about. But is there anything I can do to like 
make them go away, like like spray like water, just okay. enough to make, oh, I don't want this water to go away. Is there anything I can do? I start right. killing them, which I don't want to kill them. All right. So I'm glad you called and asked this question. It is a gardening question. It, it is question. a gardening question. Absolutely. And it's right up my alley because insects are sort of my, my second career. Uh, and... This is a really important thing to bring up, especially at this time of year. Um, nobody really likes yellow jackets this time of year because they get extremely aggressive. So, um, But they're also incredibly good for the garden. Now, yellow jackets build a big papery nest under the ground. Here in Pittsburgh, people call them ground bees. They're not bees. They're in the wasp family. And they're actually a type of paper wasp. So they build their papery nest underground. You'll find a little hole in the ground somewhere. So I'm suspecting that if it really is yellow jackets that you're seeing flying around that ground cover, that they probably do have an underground nest somewhere. Now, if you don't have to go near that ground cover, so it's not like, you know, you're not walking through it to get to your front door or something like that, just leave them alone and stay out of that area. They abandon that nest at the end of the season and they Everybody but the queen dies. Um, and so you will not have the same issue crop up next year. But tell them that's why they become so aggressive. Exactly. They become aggressive in the fall because they know they're going to die and they need to protect their queen. And so they sort of go all out and they get a little extreme. And that's why they get so aggressive in the fall. So I always say if it's nowhere near where you're going to be walking, let them go. They'll be gone next spring without a problem. Uh, If it is obviously a path where you have to walk by, then you would want to hire a professional exterminator to come and take care of them because they they can, again, be very aggressive this time of year. But I do... The guy I called originally, he said that we're not allowed to spray and kill them? Well, I have never heard of that with with yellow jackets. I think that's a c- confusing or, with uh, With honeybees. Honey with honeybees, that is absolutely yeah, true. Well, even, the, even if I thought they were honeybees, I did not want to kill them right. myself. So I right. knew that. Right, right. And if they are honeybees, you are absolutely right. They're not allowed to. They'll, they'll call somebody to come and collect the honeybees and to give them to a beekeeper to keep them. And so you can't. Uh, but but the, he's mistaken because yellow jackets are an entirely different species and and you can't honeybees yellow jackets and get rid of them can you you know you can't but there it's interesting because I did hear about this organization that does actually come out and collect ground bee uh, yellow jacket nests because they use the venom in medical research but it's a really highly specialized process and person that does this and i don't think it's something you can just call them up and go hey i got a nest and let me you know come take it out so uh if it's nowhere again if it's nowhere where people are walking just leave it go and they'll be gone by the spring um it's unlikely they'll come back next year they won't they won't be back in that same spot next year so I well, would how not, does that work? Where, if it's where, yellow jackets. The queen goes out and, and mates and finds another... So the queen actually mates in the nest. The They produce some males in there and she mates in the nest. And then she goes out and she hibernates somewhere. So it usually would be like uh, under, you know, if there's a dead log, it'd be under the bark uh, of that dead log or in leaf litter somewhere. And she spends the winter there. And then she's ready to lay. When, but and she emerges she in the spring. New... She starts to build a new nest and starts to... So when you see a brand new nest being being built like a, a paper wasp nest up even the brown paper wasps that mm-hmm. the, or hornets that build their nest in the tree the fertilized queen starts to build it herself in the spring and as she continues to build it she'll have a few babies in there and they'll there'll be workers and her worker force gets built and built and built and built until you have that big giant full-sized 
wasp nest. Is the paper is the paper nest round by any chance? It's sort of oval shaped and it sort of almost looks like a like a skull but in underground. shape. In, in underground, uh, yeah. Before we had this ground cover, we had a different. It was bushes and stuff. Uh-huh. Now we have a complete ground cover. But before we had bushes, and the one time I saw what I thought maybe the kids next door threw a ball over into the bushes, and I went to grab the ball. And yeah. something in like one millisecond come out and stung yep. me above the eye. Yep, yep, yep. Now, that was a different type of paper wasp or hornet. They build their papery nests above ground. Yellow jackets build their papery nest below ground. So there's a difference between the two. All right. Thank you very much. Great call. We've got Steve, Joanne, and Jim. And coming up right after CBS News at the bottom of the hour. And by the way, they have arrested a second suspect in that London bombing. We're going to get details on that. And then it's Davy Tree, Davy.com. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. We're back, and right now we'll take the 10th caller with an amazing $25 gift certificate from the home of Pumpkinland, Janoski's in Clinton, 412-922-1020. Doug. Join me next Saturday at a very cool event called Arbor Aid and Pawpaw Festival. It's at Cary Furnace, which is a very cool place with a really cool wild garden. I'll be speaking about growing pawpaw trees at 4 o'clock. You can find out all about it at treepittsburgh.org. All day, it's got bands, uh, lots of speakers about pawpaws. If you ever thought about growing pawpaws or, or would like to learn how to grow pawpaws, they are just the coolest thing. They are a native fruit that uh, I say is kind of a cross between a mango and a banana and uh, becoming very popular. So next Saturday, all day, Arbor Aid at Cary Furnace. And now it's time for Talking Trees, a service of the Davy Tree Expert Company. We are joined by Miles Stevens from Davy Tree, and uh, you guys are going to be at the uh, Arboretum too, huh? Yes, we will be there manning the beer tent. Well, what a perfect job! I'm. Uh, we'll have to see each other when I'm there. Then. <laughs> Show plenty of amber ale to go around. As if he needed an excuse to hit up the beer tent while he's there. Now he's got to go there and, and that's right. Hang I mean, out with I the mean, Davy guys. You're sponsors of the show. I mean, we, yes. we yeah, we'll have to definitely do some uh, intense research. That sounds good to me. Arboretum next Saturday. <laughs> Make sure you stop by. So, what are we talking about today, Miles? Uh, we're talking about fall color. That's uh, uh, probably on every tip of everybody's brain right now. Getting these a little bit longer or shorter nights or shorter nights and cooler temperatures. And we had them of late. Now it's going to be warmer this week, but I think everybody starts get past Labor Day, and all of a sudden that starts hitting everybody's mind what's going to happen next. And I was actually telling Jess that I I, I guess I didn't notice that uh, you know when I'm out on the lake, but yeah, you're saying that the maples are starting to turn. Yeah, all the sugar maples are starting to turn red. Maybe and, I don't uh, want to see that. Maybe sorry. I'm. I don't <laughs> you got your blinders on. Coming. Yeah. Yeah, starting to see some color change in trees. Is it really early? I mean, is is it is it early this year, or is it just sort of right on time? I think it's probably right on time. Okay. Uh, I I don't think it's especially early. It's uh, something slowly sneaks up. You start seeing a few trees here and there, like I said, maples. Seeing some tupelo black gum starting to change a little bit too. Um, even sour woods, you know, starting to change a little bit. And the bit, dogwoods, I think, are, are starting right, to get a little bit right, of that they're, beautiful they're just, purple coloration, right, which right, I love. Right, exactly. Um, and, and one thing that I know we always get some calls about this time of year, and I certainly get email questions about it as well, uh, it's also starting to get to be the time where some of our evergreens will naturally shed their needles, and they that causes people to panic. So talk a little bit about what species they can expect to see this on and why they shouldn't worry so much about it. Right, <clears throat> exactly. I always get a lot of calls this time. 
time of year. And trees, we were plants we primarily see where it's really dramatic and noticeable, like white pine. And uh, they'll shed also arborvitae, even rhododendron. And you know, a lot of times we get to call panic concern about it. But the thing to look at when you when people you take a closer look, you're going to see it's the older needles interior. And, you know, everybody thinks it's evergreens is always hanging on to their foliage forever and ever. Well, they drop foliage, too, and they, they, they cycle through. So it's a natural process for them. But, you know, white pines, because they're larger, they tend to be more noticeable. Uh, it's an arborvitae also they drop. But that's a normal process for the tree to go through and drop those. And then sometimes you walk up an arborvitae and see those yellowing, you know, uh, if you go just sort of shake them, you'll see those drop right out. And that's a normal process. Now, should people, <clears throat> excuse me, if, for example, with those white pines, should people feel like they need to collect those needles? Like, you know, so many people feel like they need to collect the leaves off of their lawn and kind of rake them up. Do you need to do that so much with evergreens or should you just let them lie and, and they do something good for the plant? I would just sort of leave them there. It's a natural mulch. You know, you're allowing the natural process of recycling to go on there. And, you know, uh, most people are going to clean them off their lawn. But as much as it might seem it's a heavy drop, it really, and when you look underneath the tree after they drop, it isn't like it's adding five inches of mulch underneath. I, I would leave them there. It's completely natural. You know, what are you guys' favorite trees for fall color? You have one, Miles? Uh, it would probably be either sugar maple uh, or scarlet oak. Mm. Oh, I like uh, sourwood. Yeah. And uh, the black gum, the Tupelo tree, which is just like the most phenomenal red color, I think. I absolutely love it. How about you, Doug? Do you have favorites? I love the big shagbark hickory. It changes really late and it's just bright yellow and one of the last trees to hold on to its leaves. And, you know, the, the angle of the sun has changed by then and it, the way it comes through those leaves. Uh, I, I love that tree. I got to say the dogwoods too, though, for me, right? right because especially right. if you if it's our native dogwood and you get those red berries to go with that purple foliage, it really just creates a, a pretty phenomenal effect uh, in the landscape, especially if you have sort of like a little shady nook and it's it's tucked in there. It's really, really pretty as well. Yeah, and, it's the, and dogwoods are especially nice this year because they've, they've flowered very well the spring, so therefore you have a lot of you know, fruit that droops on them. So mm -hmm. now you're getting the foliar color and they have a lot of, lot of fruit on them, so they really, really look good this year I that's mean, really, really cool good. you know out at the botanic garden they've got a dogwood that has blackberries and it, it's just some kind of mutation or something <laughs> they'd never seen it before so they're going to try and save seeds from it and see if they can or maybe take cuttings and see if they can get more with the blackberry which you know it's just weird what nature does sometimes with trees it's tr it's true it really so is. drying out a little bit just definitely drying out and i was thinking of, of asking you that miles because some i'm also seeing early leaf drop and now we talked about this the last time davy was on but i think it's important to talk about it again because things like my tulip poplar i mean the leaves are not even turning color they're just turning brown and falling off and because of this dry weather we've had is that causing it is it something people need to worry about anything they can do I, I just think once again it's a reaction to the weather we were we were very wet you know through most of the year now i'd say over the last month or so it's sort of dried out and you know the leaves are sort of somewhat shutting down too and so i think you're going to get you know leaf drop maybe just uh, moisture conservation within the tree or whatever at this point in the season i, I probably wouldn't get too worried about it upset about it you know it's uh, the leaves have for the most part have done their duty for the year and they're they're on there now but once again with the longer nights and, and whatever you know the trees the leaves the whole chemistry is changing to get less less and less chlorophyll and you know that's when they start to change and then they'll just sort of drop off in some cases and i don't think there's anything really to be concerned with you know something specific see something way out of normal then you know certainly should consult somebody then
That's good. That makes me feel better because those tulip poplars in the backyard, I've, I've been just looking at them and a little bit worried about that because uh, well, it does feel a little early. Should we be watering? I don't think it would be a bad idea. I mean, you know, you know, it's been wet through a lot of the major course of the year. But, you know, once again, it isn't like because you have excessive rainfall, it gets stored in the soil, just stays there in preserve. I mean, it evaporates, it works its way down through the soil. So if you have some planting, especially maybe some newer ones or a large specimen tree, maybe put some water on. Shouldn't be any more than once a week at this point in time. I don't think you're you know you're looking at uh, constant watering, but once a week, a good deep watering would not hurt anything. And that's all. a good reminder for me too, because we planted two new trees this spring. Yeah. We put in a tricolored beech and um, a new uh, Japanese snowbell, and I need to go out and water them because it, yeah, we haven't gotten rain in a good bit, and I think it's been almost two weeks since I've gone out there and watered. So that's a good reminder to me to get out there with the hose today and do yeah. that. Some of your evergreens too, especially newly planted evergreens too, I think really important to make sure they get good, um, you know, have good soil moisture going into the winter time. Because, you know, needless to say, they, they maintain their foliage through the wintertime. It's a lot more susceptible to winter desiccation. And, you know, so new evergreen plantings, especially ones even done this fall, I guess it would happen sometimes. New plantings go in the fall, especially evergreens. They look great, and they don't get watered properly. And they enter the wintertime, and they're not established, not good, not good uh, soil moisture, and you get a lot of desiccation, even plant that. So really make sure those are well watered going into the wintertime. Great tips. Thank you. Miles, stick around. We might have some tree questions for you. For more information about Davy Tree or to ask what's going on with your trees, go to www.davy.com slash KDKA. And don't forget, you can always call the experts at Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020, KDKA. Hey, congratulations to Gina from Cranberry, winner of that $25 gift certificate from Janoski's. And now a dollar bank instant access question with Doug, and then right back to your phone calls. Doug. It's from Joyce. We have a huge pothos plant we saved from a funeral dish garden. It's about six years old. It got so big that my husband decided to repot it. He bought a larger container and didn't disturb the roots at all. Just transferred it. We bought good soil to fill the new container, but now the plant is looking pretty bad. It's definitely struggling. It's been about a month since the repotting. Any suggestions to save it? Uh, okay. This plant has sentimental value I to sh- us. I'm yeah. sure that it does. So things I would ask you to make sure, double check that the pot has a drainage hole. Uh, because as with outdoor plants, you want to make sure that all house plants have a drainage hole in the bottom and that you are not letting water sit in a saucer. If you have a saucer underneath that plant, never let water sit on it. You will get root rot. Pothos is one tough plant, but it is one plant that cannot handle having its roots sitting in water like that. So I would double check that for sure. Joyce adds, thanks. I'm a church organist and listen every Sunday while I'm getting ready to head out. Ooh, so that's thanks, cool. Joyce. Yeah, so that's what I would check for. Make sure you're not over water it because more houseplants are killed by kindness than neglect. So, uh, you know, definitely make sure that you're not overwatering that as well. And we can use all the divine intervention that we can get Amen. On, on this program. Amen. Can I get a hallelujah? All right. Hallelujah. 866-391-1020. Bank Kinston Access, KDKA.com. Let's go to uh, Jim in Mars, Pennsylvania. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Good morning. Good morning. How you doing, Rob? Good, sir. Hey, I have two questions on roses very quickly. I know you're late. Uh, one, uh, I have knockout roses last year. They bloom terrific. This year, hardly anything looks like they're going to bloom. It gets 
buds and everything else, they, they're kind of red, and then nothing happens. I'm doing the same thing I did last year, water, fertilizer, trimming, and I just don't know what caused it. Do you have any thoughts? I want to go to Doug with this because I, when you were out at the Renzi Housing Garden, at uh, uh, didn't you talk about rose thrips and things there with those folks? Yeah, I mean, with knockouts, they're they're tough as nails, uh, but they still do need some feeding. They still do need to be cut back early in the spring to to produce new growth. So, uh, but if you have buds and those buds are not opening and developing into flowers, there's a good chance you have rose thrips going on there. And those thrips are one of the worst things that can happen. Yeah, that yep. softfly larvae, you know, are one of the worst things. And organic control for thrips? It's the, that's the trouble with them <laughs> is that there's so few organic controls for those thrips. Um, you can use uh, an oil to try to uh, get rid of the, the eggs when they're laid, but there's not a whole lot you can do. But what I would de definitely recommend that you do is... Uh, that you don't let, uh, you know, debris laying around the base of the plant for overwintering. Um, and it's just, it's a tough thing to control. But just because you had them this year doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have them you for know, next and, and year. Also, be, be sure you positively identify that you've got thrips, you know, cut off. If you have a problem, cut off a little bit of the plant, put it in a Ziploc bag, take it to your uh, good local nursery and see what they say also and see what's going on there. And you can cut those buds open too and peel them open and see if you see any insects actually inside of the bud. That would be another indication that you have that, that type of issue going on. All right. Thank you. you done, Jim? Yeah, the other one is cutting them back. What's uh, what's the, do you wait till the spring or do you do it in the... Yeah, wait till the late. spring, wait till April till you start to see little red buds come out. Uh, give them a little bit of a haircut and that just, it promotes... Uh, you know, it promotes the plant to, to put on lots of buds. And also, I like to feed them once a month with rose tone. Although I was in, when I was in Virginia, just um, the rose grower there told me about some new uh, organic fertilizer that she likes. It's called Sustain. I have to take a look at it because she says it I've uses, heard about it uses less, you use less sustain than rose tone for feeding yet it's it's a, as good so i've got we've got to take i've got to take a look at it i i didn't hear i never heard of it before and they buy it in 50 pound bags but i don't think i'd need that much for my two roses <laughs> you definitely wouldn't <laughs> all right let's go to uh, joanne hey joanne good morning welcome to the organic gardeners hello and i'll keep it short since you're running out of time um i know that when you cut off with loppers and there's a disease and you recommend cleaning after each cut how do you clean after each cut? Do you dip them? Do you have a rag with the dis disinfectant on or what? This is an excellent, excellent question. And, and, and all those are right. Yes. And it, it's <laughs> it, could be either, it could be any of those. It's absolutely true that when you are going from one plant to the next and you're pruning, you need to disinfect those pruners, um, you know, Miles, what do you guys use yeah, at Davey? You, between... you, you use Lysol or even like alcohol, you know, solution or whatever. But yeah, between plants, especially, you know, if we're dealing with uh, oak wilt, Dutch elm disease, certainly you want to sterilize between trees, you know, or cuts. But you do know, you plants, so. use a rag to clean them each time or you, do you dip them? You can use either. So what yeah. I, I have done is I've used alcohol swabs and wiped the blade and the, uh, and the bypass off with that. I've used Lysol spray, which is certainly the easiest thing to do. You can actually buy, and it's what's funny is it's called Oster. There's Oster <laughs> disinfectant spray that's made specifically for Could pruning equipment. <laughs> and you can get it online. They even have it at 
Amazon, uh, and it's a spray disinfectant just like Lysol is, but it's, I don't know what's specific about it for pruning equipment, but that's what it's sold as. Uh, and you can just spray, which seems to me to be a little bit uh, quicker than uh, doing a dip and allowing it to dry to really make sure that the pathogens are killed. But- Great name, too. Right, there you go. <laughs> uh, we'll be right back, and we'll wrap up the hour with Doug and Jess next. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. Hey, I wanted to mention real quick for the gentleman that called about the rosebuds that weren't opening, and I suspect it's rose thrips. One of the other things that you can do that's safe and organic is you can hang up yellow or blue or and blue sticky traps up around your rose patch because the adult thrips are attracted to those colors and they land on the sticky traps and and uh, and die and then you don't have to worry about them laying eggs on those roses so that's another thing that you can do and you can get those sticky cards on amazon even in, in nurseries as well remember the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live All right, tell, them, tell, them tell them one more time about arbor aid quickly Doug. next saturday arbor aid at carrie furnace uh at arbor aid and pawpaw festival next saturday carrie furnace treepittsburgh.org Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. <laughs> 